It's Monday, April 9th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer, and today we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke, and specifically looking at Luke chapter 12, all 15. 59 verses. And so as we look at Luke chapter 12, I first and foremost want us to see the central key verse, the central passage that's at the very heart of Luke chapter 12. This passage preaches the sermon while Luke packs in vignettes full of details. And so as we look at each of the verses in Luke chapter 12, the question that should be bringing and ringing out in our ears and bringing to our mind is the question that's asked, is that the question that's really in this central passage, Luke chapter 12, verse 34. And this is what it says. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what we want to look at as we are reading the rest of these verses and, and looking at the rest of these verses is what do I value? What do I treasure? And, and we ask this because our heart naturally will follow our treasure. The way we use our money signifies the movement of our heart. Where our money goes, our heart is going. We exchange money for what we value and what we treasure. Money isn't the root of idolatry, but is the currency that we use to point out the, all the idols that we pay homage to through our lives. The, the other currencies that we use to pay homage to these idols are our time and our affections, right? Where do we use our time? Where do we spend our time? And where does our our mind naturally drift? What are the affections that our mind naturally drifts to when when we're alone and and when we're thinking? And the truth of the matter is we value entertainment. We value our taste and we value education. We have so many loves. We have so many things in this world that we treasure. And the question is, do we value the gospel and the spread of the gospel above every other affection? And that's what Luke, as the physician, is bringing these details out to teach out both to the hearers then as Jesus was saying it, but both to us on this side of the cross. What is your affection? What is it that you treasure? Do you treasure Jesus? Do you treasure the gospel above all other things? And so with that, I want us to see six vignettes that are going to tease this out in Luke chapter 12. And the first vignette is integrity and transparency. And we find that in verses 1 through 3 of Luke chapter 12. It says this. It says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he, Jesus, began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden, that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on housetops. Oh, Jesus knew the hearts of men. Oh, and nothing was hidden from his purview and he saw right into the heart. We live our lives with a facade. We put on a good face and and we usually know the right things to say and when to say them. Jesus is saying, I know your hidden deeds. I know your idols. I know your true affection and I know the attitude of your heart. Beloved, if we are whitewashing our lives for public consumption, but, but wasting away in idolatry in private, then our heart treasures the praise of men more than the king of the world. Oh, men, your wife and your children are not the only ones who know when you are unloving or unkind. 
mind. Oh, your browser history is not wiped clean from the king of the universe. Ladies, it's not just your best friend who hears the gossip and bitterness of your heart. You aren't just telling lies and abusing the beautiful creation that God made you to be when you're whispering lies to the mirror each and every morning. Oh, the creator of the world hears when you mock his creation. Let us value Jesus above our reputation before the world. Let us value Jesus above who we are in private. Because why? Where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. Are you treasuring the praise of man? Are you treasuring the thoughts of your heart above Jesus? And that brings us to the second thing, the fear of man. Do we fear man above God? Here's what verses 4 through 12 says. It says, I tell you, my friends, Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear whom? Him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And are not one of them forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before man will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you to the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself and what you shall say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Oh, oh as we... Uh, celebrated Easter Sunday just a, a week ago. Let us be reminded that Jesus destroyed and obliterated the only thing that should create fear in the Christ follower, the power of sin and the ultimate death. If you are a Christ follower, what can man do to you? Hebrews 13, the latter part of verse 5 through 6, it says, Jesus has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So we, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Huh, what can man do to me? What can man do to you? Why do we fear man and not fear God? Oh, I love what Psalm 118 says, all 29 verses. And, and beloved, if you are constantly running by the fear of man, if you constantly are, are, are worried about what people will say about you or your reputation or, or you're, you're fearful of, of men's uh, governments or, or other things, I want you to know that Psalm 118 was written for you. Listen to the words of Psalm 118 and let them wash over your lives. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, verse one, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord Yahweh and the Lord Yahweh answered me and set me free. The Lord Yahweh is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh, the Lord Yahweh is on my side as a helper. I shall look and triumph on those who hate me. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter 
sinner through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords uh, up to the horns of the altars. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So we have no fear of man, but we have reverence and awe of the only one who can either save our souls or condemn our souls. If we treasure Jesus, then we have no fear. And say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If your treasure is not in Christ and his sweet salvation, then you have much to fear. But there is good news because there are not pluralistic paths to peace with God, but only one path. And that is through surrendering your life and your treasure at the cross of Calvary and trusting in the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. Not because you deserved it or earned it, but because he gave it freely. And so may we treasure God solely so that the fear of man may evaporate quickly from the cadence of our lives. We live with boldness and reckless abandon for the sake of Christ. There is no power, no stronghold, nor authority that invokes fear in the Christ follower. We go to spread the fame, passion, glory, and gospel of Christ to all nations because we have nothing to fear and have the greatest treasure in Christ alone. So what can man do to me? And the third vignette we see is hoarding for ourselves. And we see that in, in Luke chapter 12. And we see that, that Jesus is telling us, do not hoard for yourself. Starting in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, Jesus, said to him, Man, who made you me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear in my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. God has so richly given us his life. He died the death we deserve by taking our sinful stain upon his perfectly unblemished life. He exchanged his glory to become like us in order that he could could redeem us. If we truly understand this, grasp this, and believe this, then how could we hoard for ourselves instead of living open-handed for others out of immense gratitude to the King of the world? 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, so that you by his poverty might become rich rich. Oh, 1 Timothy 6, 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, to a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Jesus is saying here, beware, be on guard. This inheritance is about to kill you. The issue here is not whether you get your fair share, but rather wanting it so much will destroy you. And so, beloved, is your heart on pleasure and ease or is your heart set on trusting Jesus for all of your needs? It's always easier to make decisions with the security of a full bank account. But true hope and security is not in numbers on a bank ledger, but on our name being written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, do not hoard. Do not desire great riches above the riches of heaven. And that brings us to the fourth vignette. 
found in verses 22 through 34, where God reminds us, Jesus reminds us that we are not to be anxious, but to trust in God's simple provision. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 12. And he said, Jesus, to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds and of which of you of being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that they need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old and with treasure in heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Verse 34, the central passage for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Later in uh, Luke's account here in the gospel in Luke 18, a rich young man comes up to God, finding, uh, uh, looking to God to find the kingdom of God. He's asking Jesus, how do I come into the kingdom of God? This man is not anxious about anything, nor does he have to rely on much from others because he's obviously from this passage of great wealth. The ESV says he was extremely rich. Yet Jesus says in verse 22 of Luke 18, sell all that you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. The man couldn't do it. He was trapped with the fleeting security of his seeming wealth. His heart was on earthly security and provision and not on the kingdom of God. He couldn't trust God with what seemed impossible. He was anxious because God, through Jesus, was asking him to give up his security, his security in earthly means. When our hearts have truly been changed and our affection lies not on earthly security, but on the ultimate security of Christ, then all of this begins to make sense. Verses 32 and and 33 of Luke chapter 12 begin to make sense, that we sell our possessions, that we give to the needy, that we provide ourselves with money bags that do not grow old, and that our treasure is no longer here on earth, but in heaven. Oh, these verses are not folly to those who are perishing, but refreshment to those who have been redeemed. We spend our lives and our stuff on the glory of making Christ Jesus known. And at Lifeline, what this means for us is that we may give up the security of our schedule, our time, our family, and our resources to step into the messiness of a hurting child, to step into the aching of a birth family, and to step into the broken system. Our hearts are not bent on laws. Our hearts are not bent on institutions, but our heart is bent toward the sovereign will and pleasure of God. Do not be anxious, beloved, but trust God to do the impossible. And that brings us to this fifth vignette. And it's found in verses 35 through 48. And this is, be ready to go home. Be ready to go home, right? If our treasure is truly in heaven, if our treasure is truly in Christ, then we know this is not our home. And we are anxious to come into our heavenly kingdom. Oh, my middle daughter, Adeline, has separation anxiety. She wants to be home. She likes to be home. And home is not a place. Home is people, her people, her brother, her sister, her mom, and her dad. And whenever she is somewhere where she is not at home or where she's not around her people, she has one foot ready to leave because she's ready to be home. And our posture should be much like this in preparing for the coming kingdom, right? It reveals a lot about where our treasure is on our posture 
posture for the coming kingdom. If our hearts are fully saturated in the treasure of the kingdom of God, then we know this is not our real home and we're ready to go home. Hebrews 13, 12 through 14 says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured for where we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This world is not our home. And so the question is, are we uncomfortable about the debauchery around us? Does it pain us when families are broken in this world and torn apart through abuse or divorce or brokenness? Do we consistently feel like strangers and aliens living in this world? Or do we conform to the pattern of this world and make ourselves at home? Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so is our treasure, affection, and heart captivated by this world or by the coming kingdom of Christ? Where is our home? And, and then in the time we have left as visitors on this earth, are we proclaiming the coming kingdom and beckoning for sinners to repent? We know the assignment our father has given us while we are exiled from our homes and we need to get busy to the task. And so sixth vignette and the final vignette that we see is that peace with God will bring division with the world. Oh, beloved, we see in verses 49 through 59, Oh, that we will have division. This is part of what, starting in verse 49, Jesus says, he says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it be were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against mother, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter. That's no surprise. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Oh, beloved, Jesus shed his blood and destroyed the curse of death and sin in order to redeem and call a people to his own possession. And many times in this world, when we are called to the the thing, the radical places of God, and we are radically living in such a way that we desire peace with God, we're going to find enmity with this world. Oh, and it's not a surprise. First Peter chapter two, verses four through 12 says this, and you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. For it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stomach and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when what? When they speak against you as evildoers, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Oh, beloved, when our treasure and our heart are firmly entrenched in heaven, we cannot expect peace with the world or even with our own households. When we recklessly abandon all things for the all-surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord, when we count the physical as rubbish and loss for the sake of gaining Christ, we will see others push back or label us as radical. But we are living in such a way that we desire peace with God while spreading the kingdom until the return of Christ Jesus. So in closing, 
Beloved, the days are short and fading. We need to examine our hearts and store up our treasure in heaven. And then we need to proclaim the excellencies of the kingdom to all of those who are perishing so that they can settle their accounts with their accuser. On this side of physical death, may we be about spreading the glory of the gospel and the kingdom of Christ to all people. For where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. So this week, we are praying for our U.S. birth mother ministry. And specifically, we are praying that expectant parents will come to know the Lord and his redeeming love. We're praying that the Lord will open their eyes to see that they and their children are made in the image of God and are thus valuable. We are praying that God will lead women to choose life for the baby that they are, that's inside their womb and that they will consider adoption. We're praying that women will reach out so that we will have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. We're praying for hospitals and OBGYNs and pediatricians to desire to, to partner with Lifeline and see the value in utilizing a, utilizing a ministry like Lifeline. We're praying for many of the pregnancy resource partnerships we have, and we're praying that the Lord will deepen the existing relationships to establish new partnerships with new PRCs. We're praying that the Lord will direct women searching for adoption resources online to Lifeline. We're praying for him to use birth mothers' earthly adoption stories to show them the good news of eternal adoption, for God's kingdom to come into their lives, and for them to know, glorify, and enjoy Jesus. We are praying for all the birth parents who have recently placed and are grieving. And we are praising the Lord for our pregnancy counseling team. We're, we're praying for their relationships with the Lord and their reliance upon the Holy Spirit to be the prime to be primary in their daily lives, so that this is what is because this is what's needed by birth parents. And this would be an overflow of the Spirit's work. We're praying that God would grow them in wisdom, compassion, and boldness pointing birth parents to Christ. And we're praying for times of rest. And we're praying for our team in Kansas and the new Pregnancy Resource Center that we just started there in Kansas for our team in Topeka as they are ministering each and every day to women in crisis pregnancies. And we're praising the Lord for women who are choosing life and for the perspective the Lord has given them to see life is valuable. Let's pray. Father God, be with women who find themselves in unexpected and unplanned pregnancies. We pray that you would give them wisdom and that you would give them insight that the life inside of them is a life. It is not a choice, but it is a life. And I pray they'd be responsible with that life. I pray that they would bring they would bring that life into the world, that they would bring that child into the world, and that they would be given wisdom about their certain circumstances to be able to parent or to be able to place for adoption. Lord, I just pray that you would embolden our team at Lifeline to be able to present the gospel in such a way that it is clear and that your Holy Spirit would reign upon these women and help them to understand that they are precious in the sight of God. Lord, we pray for our team. We pray for favor to be found uh, as other organizations are coming in contact with these women in crisis pregnancies and that they are referring them to Lifeline so that we can help them. Lord, we know that you love these women and we pray that you would look after them, that you'd watch over them and that you would, would show yourself to them in a precious way. In your name we pray. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.